Welcome to Fusion Church's Sermon of the Week. Fusion Church is located in Wakanda, Illinois. We exist to complete and multiply people who passionately follow Christ. For more information, visit www.fusionchurch.com. Let's dive into this week's sermon. Hi, I'm Katie. Welcome to Fusion's live stream. Uh, I hope you're having a good summer. I hope it's been restful for you. I hope you haven't died from the heat. It's been crazy hot. Um, It has been my favorite thing in the world, but it has been restful. So I hope it's been that for you too. Uh, Just a little heads up, coming up in a couple weeks, the first weekend in August, we will be meeting together for the first time at Messiah Lutheran outside. We'll have a service outside. I'm really looking forward to seeing all you and getting to be together again. So put that on your calendars. We'll be meeting in the afternoon. You'll get more information on that as we get closer to the time. So we have been in this season of pressing into prayer. The last few weeks, we have really been uh, talking about the Lord's Prayer as this template that Jesus used to teach his disciples how to pray and to teach us how to pray. We believe that God is calling our church to be a praying church, and this is kind of a given sometimes, but I know that in the midst of especially everything going on, we're just trying to make it through. Uh, But I believe God wants us to thrive in prayer. He wants us to really press in because he has something really important for us to glean from his character and his kingdom in the midst of prayer. And so if we are, our goal is to be like Jesus, we want to know how he prays. And that's why we're sitting in the Lord's prayer, what we call the Lord's prayer with him. So this template for the Lord's Prayer is just that. We don't have to pray it word for word, but it does give us an idea on God's heart and how he wants us to come to him to speak with him. So let's just read what Jesus says, starting in Matthew 6, uh, verse 6, and we're going to read through and just soak in this prayer again this week. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So for the last two weeks, we've been looking at God as our Father. God is our gentle, kind, loving, heavenly Father, who is holy. Holy and separate, but longs to be close to us. And then last week, we also talked about God's kingdom and just writing a desire for his kingdom on our hearts. How do we ask for his kingdom to come and how do we see it when it does? And this week, we're going to talk about God as a provider. Give us today our daily bread. God's greatness and love and perfection as a father are what drive his concern for our physical and our mental and our spiritual well-being. It's cool because bread is all throughout the Bible this uh, thing that is used as a literal idea of sustenance and food, but is also used as a metaphor for what it means to really be taken care of as a greater promise from God. 
Jesus, if you know about the, um, the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, it's actually more than that. You'll remember that Jesus takes just a couple loaves of bread and fish, and with that feeds thousands upon thousands of people. And in this moment, it's like people get fed when they are hungry. When they're just physically hungry, Jesus takes care of them. But also, it, it goes to show the riches of God's abundant kingdom that is in store for those who follow them. Bread is this beautiful metaphor for something more. Jesus asks us to pray for what we need because everything we have, everything we will ever partake of or need comes from the Father and the abundant riches of his kingdom. So before we move into a little further into this, let's look back one verse before Jesus starts uh, reciting this Lord's Prayer. He says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. So why do we need to pray? Why do we need to ask God for what we need if he already knows? We have this rule in our house with our two girls that we just want them to ask if they want to do something, if they need something, if they want something, just ask. Now, this partially is because of permission, and it's really good if we just know what our kids are up to sometimes so they don't get into as much trouble as usual. But this is also about connection and communication. This grows our relationship. When our kids are able to communicate with us about what they need and what they think they need and what they want, it grows a connection between us. One of the first ways that we connect as people with one another is by expressing our basic needs to each other. This is important. God made us as beings who are hungry for things, who need things. He doesn't need anything outside of himself, but we do. That's how he made us. So he wants us to be able to communicate those needs to him, even if he already knows what they are. So Jesus includes this in the Lord's Prayer teaching because he's asking us to really trust that God knows and he wants to hear in community what we need. So sometimes in the Bible, I love these moments when there are uh, these kind of poetic mirroring of situations in the New Testament and the Old Testament. And I always love to go back and kind of see where the New Testament is mirroring something that happened in the Old Testament. And Jesus does this so many times in his teaching. And so there's one such situation in Exodus uh, 14, 15, 16, around there, where we can look at some similarities to what Jesus is teaching and what happened with the Israelites in the Old Testament. So the Israelites were God's chosen people. He had called them out, separated them from the world, and said, you are my kids. You're my people. I've called you out to be different. I've called you out to be separate. And I have some special promises for you as my kid. So God shows um, the Israelites at this time how much he loves them by freeing them from the bondage they were in at the time of the exodus. See, they were in bondage under the Egyptian rule, and they had been there for a long time, and God was just like, I got to set my people free. This isn't okay. So he sends Moses, and Moses is God's mouthpiece for saying, my people will leave. My people will experience freedom. I will show myself as the one true God to them and to the Egyptians. And so God does just that. 
he shows his power through mighty works that Moses does, and the Egyptian or the Israelites are set free. As they are leaving, God sets this promise on their heart for what he called the promised land. It is this place, this physical place, this land that God had set apart for them that was supposed to be the place that they would thrive, that would belong to them, that would be just theirs. It was a land flowing with milk and honey. You might recognize that a description of the promised land. And they were on their way there. God didn't just set them free out of slavery. He was taking them to a promise. He had something more for them. Now think about the Lord's Prayer as we've heard that. Do you see some mirroring there? God shows himself to the Israelites as his father, as their father, as the loving, holy, set-apart God that claims them as their children, the same way Jesus asks us to focus on God as a heavenly, good, loving, holy father. And then he sets this idea of a promised land on their hearts, a place of more, a place of plenty, a place of better than the bondage they were in. Jesus also takes us on that path. There is a kingdom for you. There are kingdom riches, kingdom abundance waiting for you. There is something more. And so I just love the way that those two line up. But there's this point after this when the Israelites are going through the desert, working towards their promised land, that everything breaks down. See, instead of moving forward and saying, we will trust God to do what he has already done, we will trust God to take care of us, they begin to doubt. So specifically in chapter 16, we're going to look at this little picture of just one of the times that the Israelites stopped trusting in God's provision. Starting just right at verse 1, it says, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them, and they will see whether they've follow and see whether they will follow my instructions. So there's this moment when they, the Israelites have been set free from captivity, set free from bondage, on their way to this promised land, this perfect place, and even in the midst of all the powerful, incredible miracles that God performed, they begin to get thirsty, they begin to get hungry, they are in danger, and they begin to grumble. Not to God, even, but to Moses. Why did you bring us here? We would rather have stayed in Egypt in slavery and died there around our pots of meat than starved out here in the desert. They had lost sight of who God was, of the promises he he had made, and they no longer trusted him. It's interesting to me that the Israelites didn't ask God for food or water or safety. They didn't even go to him. They had decided their own fate. They had decided that God had abandoned them. How would it have turned out differently if they had trusted in what they had seen God do, what they had known he was capable of, trusted in his heart for them? God's heart was for Israel to just trust him, 
even in the midst of their grumbling, I find it interesting that God still provided for them, provided bread, provided meat, provided fresh water. He said, I'm going to make it rain bread for you, even in the midst of their grumbling. He still took care of them. It's interesting because every time I see God interacting with the people he loves in the Bible, he is saying, look how I've taken care of you. Trust me. Look how I've taken care of you in the past. Trust me. Look how I've taken care of you. Just trust me. Sometimes we think we have to get it all right, do the right things, make the right decision, earn God's provision, but that's just not biblical. God is constantly taking care of his people, even when they don't deserve it. And I know that that's not just true in the Bible. That's true for me and my family. And my story specifically, God has said over and over again, look at how I have taken care of you. Trust me. My family has experienced God's provision in so many ways. It is difficult to keep track Even in just the 11 years since Rob and I started a family, he has shown up again and again and taken care of us. Even when we didn't make all the right decisions and steward our finances or our time or our relationships well. But I noticed that every time a need arose that we had, we went through this unending cycle of how we responded to it. So when we would come up to a a bill we couldn't pay, a relationship that was broken that couldn't be, didn't seem could be fixed, when we had some physical need, emotional need, we would go into hyperdrive of fix it, shame and panic. We would blame each other. We would blame ourselves. We would say we just didn't do things right. We got to do better in the future. We're not being good stewards. What are we going to do? We would begin to, if it was a money issue, we would begin to look for a new job right away. Or how can I make money from home? What am I going to do? Can I sell a kidney? I have looked up how much you get if you sell your plasma before. That is how bad things have been. But the first thing we did for a long time, for years, was never, God's taken care of us before. Maybe we should trust him. That was never the first thought. It was always, oh no, what are we going to do? How do we fix this? See, we always took the solution on in our own power and our own wisdom and our own understanding. But that just didn't get us anywhere. Every time we were in that situation, God was saying to us, look at how I've taken care of you in the past. Trust me. Every time he provided what we needed, every single time, no matter how crazy and spastic we were about trying to fix it in our own power, he always came through. He always takes care of us. And so the question here is not really, will God come through for you? Will God provide for you? I don't really need to convince you of that. I have enough in my own story that says it's true. And there are going to be so many times when God provides for you and takes care of you. He will prove himself. But the question is, what are we doing while we wait? What are we doing while we're waiting for him to take care of our need? 
This is why Jesus teaches us to pray for what we need. His heart is that we would invite God, his provision, his kingdom riches into our lives. Asking him for what we need is our way of saying, you have all I need. You have given me all I have. Nothing I have did not come from you. I trust you for what I need and even what I want. I trust you. Asking for what we need is admitting our need, not just for stuff, not just for physical health or emotional or spiritual health. Health. It's about admitting our need and our hunger for God. That posture towards God is what Jesus is talking about here. Because God's posture towards us is loving and kind. It's that of a good father. God has something available to us that we can't access outside of submitting ourselves to him and saying, I have need. God is your provider for right now. Whatever you are hungry for right now, if it's physical hunger, if it's just not living paycheck to paycheck, if it's uh, depression or loneliness or just spiritual battles, God has what will satiate you right now. You have access to it through the kingdom as a child of God. Yes. Sometimes in the midst of our need, God leads us to make big changes to spend differently, to steward differently, to uh, set our mind on things that are true. But he never plays the shame game, ever. It's always an invitation into communion with him and a challenge to seek his wisdom and his perspective. You know, after so long of reacting to need like this, Rob and I started to kind of go, we can't operate like this anymore. This doesn't work. God shows up every time. Why are we in this continual cycle of blame and shame and trying to fix it every time our need arises? Every time our need comes and slaps us in the face. Every time we needed him, God showed up. And it may not have always been in the way that we wanted, but we've always had what we needed and much more. We started to switch to praying first, trusting God first, that everything we needed would come from him. And now we experience something different when need arises. It's not like that every time. We still struggle sometimes. But when need arises, we try to practice going to God and saying, we trust you. We know that you have shown up before. You have taken care of us time and time again. You have taken care of us every time. And we trust you to do the same thing again. Thank you. And we say thank you for what he's going to do even before anything is resolved. And that seems a little crazy sometimes, even in the last situation that we had when we needed, you may have heard us talk about needing to redo our bathroom and needing lots of money to do it. It was incredible to me the amount of patience I actually felt, the amount of calm I felt and peace that God's going to show us how to take care of it, how to take care of it. It wasn't that I just threw it over to God and said, well, this is your problem. But I said, God, I know you're going to show us how. I know you're going to help us move forward. Show us what to do. And in that moment, we experienced a freedom that we hadn't felt very often in our past. 
there's this moment too when God is going from saying, I've taken care of you, trust me, to now because you are trusting me, you will see there is more you have access to. The actual um, Greek translation of bread for the day, our daily bread, uses a word for that daily called epiusios. I think I said that right, epiusios. And it means two different things according to different translators. It's a really rare word that you don't see often in Greek translations. And it means daily and needed, that daily bread, the needed provision. But it also could mean tomorrow's, tomorrow's bread, tomorrow's provision. Praying for our daily bread is about asking for access to what God has prepared for you today. And praying for our daily bread is about asking for access to what God has prepared for you for tomorrow. That's future bread. See, because God is not just a God of making it through today. He has a table set for you. He has kingdom riches and abundance waiting for you as an inheritance because you're his child. Some translators think that it's one or the other, but I just think that Jesus chose this word on purpose. I think there's a reason that this word is used because of its universal meaning. It's both for now and for the future. If you look back to our Exodus story, uh, there's this point in chapter 16 after God has said, I'm going to make it rain bread. I'm going to give you meat. It's going to show up every day. And it starts explaining what the bread was that came. So every morning, this uh, what was like dew would settle on the ground. And then the sun would come out and it would dry up uh, what, this, what this dew on the ground was. And it would become what they could make bread out of. So like these little flake kind of things. And people could make bread out of it. And they explain how it tasted. And I think it's interesting because why do we really need to know how it tastes? What's the, what's the point of that? They called it manna and they said it tasted like honey. It tasted like wafers made with honey. Isn't it interesting that God describes the promised land as flowing with milk and honey? And even in the waiting period, even in the wilderness, in the desert, even after grumbling about God taking care of them and God's provision for them, God gives the Israelites a taste, not only to satiate them for now, not only to help their hunger now, but the taste of the promised land, a taste of the bread and the riches for the next day, for tomorrow, for the future. I don't think that's a mistake. God was reminding them with every day-to-day provision that there was more to come, that he had more set at the table for them. It is our daily bread. It belongs to us. Not because, we don't believe that because we're spoiled brats 
and we're entitled and we say, that's mine, but because we are children of a king, it's part of our inheritance. A little farther in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? See, we are not called to worry about today. That is not our job. That is not what we are asked to do. That is not part of the calling we have on our life. But we are called to ask about today. We are called to ask for today. And we are called to believe more for the future. God is inviting you into his perspective on your needs and your desires. The Father in heaven does not need you to convince him of what you need. He knows. But he wants a connection with you. Prayer is not meant to help us hone in on what we need. It's to hone in on God's heart. That's the whole point, that we would know that God wants to provide for us, that he will, and that every day forward is taken care of with more than we could ever dream for ourselves. More joy, more peace, more love. More of the things that we really, truly need. What would it look like to begin to pray for God's provision in our lives to explode into the kingdom provision that is our inheritance? What would that look like? Because I don't want to miss that opportunity. I just want to leave you with some questions to think over as you move forward this week. One is, how do I react when I have need arise in my life? How do I react when I'm faced with my own, my own need, my own shortcoming, my own dependency? Is it met with shame, with anger, with blaming, with trying to fix the problems? Or do I react with trust? The second question is, do you ask God for what you need from a place of trust and confidence in him as a loving father or from a place of someone begging for scraps? Children don't beg for scraps. Children ask to join their father at the table. And that's what you are called to do. I'm just going to leave you this with this last thought. God does not force himself onto people. If God forced himself onto people, there would be no sin in the world. If God forced himself onto people, there would be no brokenness. There would be no pain. No tears of sadness or emptiness. If God forced himself onto people, there would be no free will. There would be no relationship. God doesn't want a robotic following. 
He wants relationship and communion and covenant with you. He does not send his spirit to overtake our spirits. He gives us the freedom to invite him in. He gives us the freedom to invite his perspective and his kingdom in. To invite his love and his joy and his wisdom and his power and his authority into our lives. Will you invite him into your need, your desires? Invite him into your heart so that your life can explode with his kingdom peace and provision. I guarantee you, I'm still figuring it out, but I know from where I'm standing, it is absolutely worth it. Let's pray. Father, I just ask that you would speak to us as a loving father right now that you would remind us of your holiness and your goodness, that you would remind us that our, our hearts and our spirits actually long for your kingdom even when we don't realize it. We long for things to be made right. We long for justice. We long for love and belonging. We long for that. And I pray that in the midst of that longing, you would teach our hearts how to submit to you. Teach us how to submit our needs to you. Teach us how to submit our desires to you. Teach us how to come to you as beloved children and not beggars. Teach us how to trust you, Father. We know that there will be no true freedom for us outside of trust and obedience to you. Ignite something in our hearts that not only agrees to invite you in, but longs to do that every day in every hour of need. And God, I pray that you would continue to give us what we need every day and continue to remind us of what you have for us in the future of the abundant riches that we have access to in your kingdom. You are a good God. Thank you for proving that over and over and over again to us. Amen. I hope you have a wonderful week. Enjoy the sunshine or maybe rain. I wouldn't mind a little bit of that. And just to remember that we have um, committed to prayer walk in our neighborhoods. Uh, over the week, just take five minutes to take what we're learning about communicating with God and submitting ourselves to him and submit your neighborhood to him as well. Let God work in your life and your neighbor's lives. We hope you have a wonderful week. We'll see you next Sunday. We hope that you are encouraged by this week's sermon. For more information, visit us at our website, www.fusionchurch.com, or you could find us on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great week.